0: Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Dads are 50% of the equation, right? And so, no, if odds are it's 50%. <laughs> Even I can do that much math. Each parent has their role, right? And uh, truthfully... The season goes so fast, by the time you think, well, maybe I should be doing this, it's almost over. And yet, this is the way God's ordained for centuries, and it's our privilege to participate and call on Him, ask for wisdom, and to actually see transformation. One of the things in our family, um, shar's dad's been gone 25 years and uh, he, he grew up in a home, uh, bootleggers, um, rough family uh, Told of, of seeing knife fights between his dad and the brother um, He never did live with his parents um, The mom was um, 15 when she had him uh, they were divorced by the time they actually, the baby was born. So a very rough family, but he knew he wanted to do better. And uh, one of the things that Char, um, you know, he got saved later in life, but he always brought home the check before he went and got drunk. That was a step forward, you know. And later on, he came to the Lord, and there was transformation he wrestled through his life with things, but he, he, he moved that family a step for, further, you know, and I guess that's probably each parent's goal, right? I hope to take this family a little further than what I've gone. I'd love to see them go f- blossom more, and sometimes you're digging out of a deficit, but there's still that knowledge that in the Lord, there's opportunity for transformation. Beautiful thing. We have a few things to celebrate this week. Uh, Toby, Tobias, going to get healthy. uh, Awesome. And Josiah, huh? Got a really, yeah. Very worried that he'd have to have surgery and just a, a bone break, and now it's healing. And we're just very grateful for that. Very good things. I want to go to the scripture. This morning, Ephesians chapter 5. I want to talk about investing in the kingdom of God. Um, We all acknowledge that our salvation would not have happened except that Jesus Christ had come to earth, died, risen again, paid the price for our sin. But there is also a call to us that when we come to the Lord, that we are to invest of our energies. It's not just... You know, saying okay, um, he's he's done all this, and so we just get to kind of relax and wait. You know, that's that's not it at all. In fact, he calls us into a destiny. He calls us into a lifestyle that, as it invests in him, there's opportunity for transformation, but there's also opportunity to affect those around us and affect our world, so to speak. In the very creation, when when he established humanity, he gave them uh, things to do. He didn't just say exist or survive. And, you know, that wasn't the intent. And so when we look at a life in the Lord, we're acknowledging that he calls us to activity and that he calls us to invest our energies. So out of Ephesians it says, Therefore consider carefully how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, taking advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. That seems to me to be a verse that somewhat applies for today. <laughs> I, I don't like getting played. I don't think anybody does. And yet, when I hear news from a multitude of sources and it's all different, I'm kind of going, what's the agenda? You know, and who's, who's playing the strings, so to speak, of the puppet?" And what is, am I being played too? That's that's one of the questions that comes to mind. And in that, there's a struggle saying, "Well, how do you actually know truth, or how do you actually uh, discern when somebody's just messing with you?" And in this, I think that we have opportunity through the Spirit of God. He has promised us the opportunity to know truth and to allow a discernment in our hearts that says something is not right here or something is very right in this moment. Not just affected by emotion, not just affected by a sound reasoned argument, but something even deeper than that that says, this is truth. What a beautiful thing that is, an opportunity in the Lord. But it it says... Here it says, consider carefully how you live. You don't necessarily just absorb, but there's a, a process involved in this, an investment on in our parts that opens the door. When Jesus says, seek and you will find, the idea is that you're not just going to come along, oh, look at that. But there's an opportunity if you are looking for the treasures of God to find them. What an awesome thing that is. I I look at this passage uh, in James in a similar light about true wisdom from the Lord and what it looks like. He says, Who's wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, he should show his works done in the gentleness that wisdom brings. I've always found challenge in that portion because wisdom oftentimes for us brings an assertive, uh, forceful ruling over others or pushing aside others. And yet, James is very certainly declaring that true wisdom from God has a gentleness connected to it. And, and so we have to decide, in, in, particularly like in marriage, am I going to force my way through this issue with my spouse or am I going to learn the gentle side of wisdom and how it actually Applies in this setting. Very complicated to to get past selfishness into that, right? He says, if you have bitter, jealous, and selfishness in your hearts, don't boast. It, It tells lies against the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but it's earthly, natural, and demonic. So the wisdom that has through its motivation, jealousy or selfishness, he says, has a demonic element attached to it. It's natural. It's of this world, but it's certainly not God's intent for our lives. So the question becomes, why am I insisting on things being done this way? Why am I pushing so hard to accomplish this? Is it because of my own selfishness? Or is it because of truly having a sense that this is what God wants. Does it have a gentle nature attached to it? He says, Wisdom from above is pure and peaceable, gentle and accommodating, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, not hypocritical. The fruit that consists of righteousness is planted in peace among those who make peace. Now, I know that there are times for violence. I mean, when Jesus turned over the money changers' tables, that was a violent act. But by and large, when we step into it, there's a propensity in us to be pursuing our own selfishness, and those motives have to be evaluated very, very carefully. Because generally, we are not stepping into health when we move forward in violence. It's, It's one of those things that the New Testament writers are looking at that and going, we have to make careful decisions here. Um, it's it's one of those things where you uh, you know you you're wrestling with what do I do? What do I do? And and the natural choice often is the wrong choice. And there's a, 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 an intent that says I'm going to submit this before the Lord. I regularly pray the Lord's Prayer, and part of that is, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Now often, I have no clue what that means, in a general sense. But I start asking, I say, okay, what, is, what are you wanting your kingdom to look like, in this day, and in this moment? What, what are you doing in this world as a whole? But then it goes on, Thy will be done. You know, there's that thing of, okay, how does, that, how does that impact my life? What am I to be doing in this moment? What is, what is my behavior to look like according to you? And it's, a, it's a something that, that we just keep chasing, so to speak. Proverbs makes this comment. He says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it's established. By knowledge its rooms are filled with kind, all kinds of precious and pleasing treasures. He said, when, when you're putting a household together, even if it's just a physical house, it doesn't just happen by accident. There's a lot of thought and energy in, that goes into that. And if you're talking a household as a family, there's a lot of thought and energy that goes into that. If you're building a community as a household, there's a lot of thought and energy that goes into that if you're going to establish it to last. And so... That wisdom is what we call out for say, Lord, I want to build things that last in you. I want, to, I want to be a part of the eternal, so to speak. Back to Ephesians. 17th verse says, For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise by understanding what the Lord's will is. So he, he says there's a, there's a contrast. And true wisdom is going to know what God wants. It's going to seek until you figure out what his desires are. Romans 12 says, Don't be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's part of that work of saying, it isn't just a, a, a choice that says, Okay, I'm going to serve God, but there's an actual transformation that takes place as we continue in him the changing of our mind over things, the the changing of the way we see things, the attitudes that we have during particular incidences and and allowing God to come in and speak, this is what life is. This is how it should be affected. And as that transformation takes place, he says the renewing of our mind. He says, then you're going to be able to test and approve the will of God, the good, well-pleasing, and perfect. So as he transforms us, as we allow him to, to get into different areas of our life, his spirit comes in and begins to change the way we think. What a beautiful thing that is. Now, this next, these next three verses, he's not changing subjects, but it, the, there is a transition. Let's try to catch it. And don't get drunk with wine, which is the bough but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making music in your heart to the Lord. So he's, he's, he's drawing a contrast in saying, you know, when you're walking in the flesh, you can, you can step into drunkenness. And, and the, the link here is that when you get drunk, it affects your mind. It affects your emotions. It affects your body. He says, rather be filled with the Spirit. So what's the the other side of that? Now, I have to confess, my knowledge is secondhand. I've never been drunk. Um, it's not a big to-do. It's just, that's my life. I, I uh... <laughs> what confessions this morning. My first taste of beer ever was a couple months ago. Um, I was at a household there. Uh, um, they said, "You want to try this?" Mm, okay. <laughs> Took a sip and said, "Well, thanks. <laughs> That's enough." <laughs> um, but that said, I've I've watched enough around me to know some of what takes place, right? And. Drunkenness, well, we had a family member die at about 35 because his liver was destroyed. But I've also watched through the Spirit people find healing, just like we believe Josiah was healed this week. So the work of the Spirit can transform physical bodies, and, and we allow that to take place. And just as, you know, a lot of thinking gets cloudy when you're drunk, right? Uh, Hypothetically, (laughs) then everybody can answer. Um, You know, there's there's some foolish things that take place through the power of of alcohol. But a life of the spirit can actually have a, a transformed mind as well. That moves into truth and well-being, and, and so we say, "Lord, transform our minds by Your Spirit. Change the way I think, even emotionally." I, 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 in this particular passage, you know, He's He's going into in the in the group when the spirits let's let's sing. Well, you know, there's a lot of barroom ditties that have been part of things over the years of people singing and and the connection. And, uh, you know, I live on Front Street. I hear college kids going by at 2 in the morning. And uh, there's some unusual activity at times that I'm suspect of that isn't just the joy of life. But what the Spirit can do in us is actually transform emotions as well. And you know that at times when we're in the presence of the Lord, there is a joy that exceeds normal situations. There's a a fascination with the goodness of God that just elevates us emotionally. I, uh, When I was a kid, uh, I remember in first grade, um, I made a, a vow not to cry. That came after I'd been called a crybaby by the teacher, after she'd slapped me with her whistle chain. And uh, I had it coming in some ways. I, uh, you know, she'd blown the whistle. We were all supposed to line up, and we, of course, we raced. And it was quicker going through the puddle than around. But it coded her, apparently, and she didn't appreciate that. But childhood vows, right? You make a vow, I'm not going to cry. And for years, that was locked in. And I can remember a couple times in the Lord that being broken. Um, one was, I had gone to a men's retreat with a, Church that I was participating in, I was uh, 25 or so, and I was uh, doing a job that was kind of in over my head, and there was a lot of stress, and uh, it had been building, and and I had, um, I'd gone into a situation that that wasn't good, but I was attempting to set it right, and uh, I was at this men's retreat, and and father figure caught me after one of the services. Now, this is interesting because he was an older guy. He had to be at least 50. (laughs) Which is way past. (laughs) But uh, in that moment, he was an old guy. And uh, he he just said, John, how you doing? Okay. And he put his arms around me. He said, no, how are you doing? And I lost it. And I mean, I really lost it. Like 15 minutes worth, or I, you know, drenching myself. And, and I remember that the next Sunday they, they asked some of us to give our testimony of what took place at retreat. And they asked me to talk. And I'm sure they thought, oh, he'll share this. I was over it by then. But, you know. <laughs> But as often as not, through the years, when the presence of God is heavy upon me, I will cry. And uh, now, some years ago, we had a, kind of a, a joke of that. I, I think Ed had had a dream of me weeping when the presence of God was falling on this place. And the guys were laughing about that, and so they made these t-shirts, Pastor Puddles. And, and then they... <laughs> And then they went on and had those experiences Well, I'm who I am, you know. But um, I still look at that and I'm going, the presence of God was affecting me emotionally in a way that I would not have chosen and has done that regularly. But it is worth it even though I don't have control in that moment. You know, it's... It's precious enough to me to say that at times he's bringing healing to me emotionally in ways that I can't make happen myself. But it's still very, very precious and valuable to me. And so, you know, when when Paul's contrasting the drunkenness and the spirit even affecting us emotionally, there are times when, in a sense, we're out of control. And yet it's a good thing. It just, it what, it moves us into health. It, it isn't destroying us. It's, it, it sometimes gets misinterpreted. I mean, even the the birth of the church, you know, the, 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 the guys, they're coming out and they're speaking in foreign languages that people are understanding. And uh, everybody's going, what is going on? And it says, some of the guys go, oh, they're just drunk. You know, and, and Peter said, It's only nine in the morning. What's wrong with you? You know, he's he's declaring that, no, this is, even though we're not acting normal, he's saying, this is the presence of God. And God's doing something very wondrous in this moment. And, of course, 3,000 people get saved. Now, drawing this back to the idea of investment, Peter and the people in the upper room had been consecrating themselves to prayer for at least 10 days, right? Jesus had risen. He'd been on the earth for 40 days and then gone, ascended into heaven. But he told them, wait until you receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And they had already been sent out. They had already accomplished miracles. They had been with Jesus and received his teaching They had had walked with him and done the works of ministry for several years. And yet Jesus says, there's more available to you. And it was through the Holy Spirit. And so I'm looking at that and I'm going, they, they had to stay and invest in that prayer and waiting until God said, now. But what they got was far beyond their expectation. And I want to suggest to you that there are times in the spirit where the investing may not come on your timetable and it may take longer than what you anticipate but the promises of God are not null and void. They are saying if you seek, you will find. And so the idea is that we can invest in this knowing that we're not going to get played, but rather, He is going to return. And so the privilege is, is that as we invest our lives in Him, there is a wisdom that returns. There is an understanding of the will of God. There is a work of the Spirit that transforms us body, mind, and emotion. What an awesome thing that is. And so, you know, I just... I. I Bring that to you. And, you know, even even Cornelius, remember the first Gentile convert? He's, you know, it doesn't say that he had been waiting, 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 and finally Peter. But it does say that his gifts and prayers had come up to the Lord and God decided to give him something he didn't even know about. And so, in some ways, I encourage you this day. We're in a season in our nation where we need wisdom. We're in a season when things are changing and we're not quite sure what's going to take place. But there's an opportunity to hear from the one who loves us deeply.